0: We're headed back to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. I'm going to warn you. I'm going to warn you. I've probably read this chapter, and I've been saved for almost 40 years. I've probably read this chapter a hundred times or better. Until last week, I'd never seen it the way I've seen it. So just a little bit of exercise. Everybody, get your arms out here like this. Just get your arms out. I know some people don't like to. Now, now take your right arm and put it right out like this, as far as you can, and make a fist, okay? Now pull that fist right up in front of your face. Now take your left arm and reach your left arm out there and make a fist. And now pull that fist up in front of your face, okay? I want to tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> You ever heard the phrase, put up your dukes? <laughs> you know, put up, your, put up your dukes because God's going to punch you in the face with his word this morning, okay? Now, it's a futile fight, and but some of us have been fighting it for a long time, man. God wants us to do something. And we're bobbing and weaving and we're ducking. We're, we're thinking we can get away like Sugar Ray. It ain't going to happen today. You're going to get punched in the face with God's word, and that's okay, right? I've never read it like this. I've never read it like this. I've never seen it, but I'm telling you, hang on. Buckle up. I think that clock is, okay, we'll go with it. Ready? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17 Paul says to the church at Ephesus, and I believe he's speaking to the church today. I believe he's speaking. What do we, now we talked about this. We've been talking about this. The church is not just this collection of people that comes together right now, right? We are the body of Christ, right? We talked about that. We're the body. We're part of each other, right? We believe that? Part of each other. We're a body. We're a family. We're a body. Sometimes we talk about church teams. I don't like teams. Teams you can be bought and sold right? We're a family. You don't buy and sell family. Part of the same body. We don't buy and sell body parts, right? Generally. Wait till we die then we sell them in. Okay. Paul says in Ephesians, so I tell you this and I insist on it in the Lord. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? Paul's not saying, hey, man, I got got a suggestion for you. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm... I'm telling you this, and I insist on in the Lord that you must no longer live like the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Who's Paul talking to? He's talking to the church, right? He's talking to the body. You Think, well, we're in church. We don't live like Gentiles. Oh, yes, we do. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have said, don't do it. Don't live like the Gentiles in the futility of your thinking. I mean, if you know, sometimes our thoughts are just—I mean, they just run wild, right? Our thoughts go crazy. We we call it catastrophizing. I don't even know if that's a word, but it starts out as this little molehill, and the next thing you know, we've got this mountain of a problem in front of us, and it never happens. Anybody ever practice this catastrophication? <laughs> I used to be really, really good at it as a kid. I mean, as a kid, my mom and dad, I've never, in my life, I think I've seen my dad drink one beer. I never saw my mom drink. Sorry, I smoke a pipe. But never, uh, that was another story for another day. My mom and dad would like to have friends. They'd go out to the airway in Hibbing. The airway had a dance floor just about this big. But they'd go out and they'd hang out with friends. And I know that my dad would have a beer and I know that the rest of the night he had Pepsi, that's what he had. That's what he had. And my mom and dad several times I remember as a kid I was uh fifth of six kids, and I remember several times they'd go out with their friends and go and hang out, and um and it's well we'll be home at eleven o'clock. And eleven o'clock rolls around and they're not home. And eleven oh two rolls around and they're not home. And eleven oh six rolls around and they're not home. And man, by 10 after 11, I'm thinking, cars flipped over, they're in a ditch, they drowned someplace, they're dead, we're gonna be orphans. (laughs) Anybody else or is it just me? We go there, we let our mind just go crazy. Paul tells us to take every thought captive and submit it to Christ. Nobody told me that when I was a kid. I had no idea I was supposed to do that. My mind just ran crazy. Paul's talking to the church. He's talking to the family. He's talking to the body of Christ. And he says here in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul actually says, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people. He's speaking to holy people. And yet he tells holy people, I insist on this. You must no longer live like the Gentiles, like the non-believers do. Do you know that there are people who still come to church? They come to church every week. They're faithful. They give their tithes. They give offerings. They support this ministry, that ministry. They watch things on TV, and yet they still live like the Gentiles do. They come to church on Sunday and live like hell six days of a week. Right? I can say that. I know it's church, but I can say that because we do that. We even... Even Paul's saying, I want you to go so far as not to just talk about your actions, but your mind, the futility of your thinking. Your thinking goes awry. Don't live like the Gentiles. And he goes on to verse 18. He says, they are, to us talking of the Gentiles, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is now in them Due to the hardening of their hearts. Where does the ignorance come from? Where does the ignorance come from? The hardening of their hearts. There's a hardness that comes in our hearts. They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. What's he talking about? It's easy to say that he's talking about the Gentiles, but he's also talking to the church, right? That's what he's saying to us, right? Have you ever experienced a lack of sensitivity in one of your body parts? I cut my thumb. Some of us have this going on. I cut my thumb right here. <laughs> I had it all bandaged up one day, and the guy was like, hey, uh, what'd your thumb run into? I'm like, a razor blade? Oh, how deep that go? Said, well, it stopped at the bone. Consequently, this part of my thumb has got not much feeling. I mean, I can actually stick a needle through there. I tested it. That feels numb. Oh, there's some sensitivity Again, on the on the back side of it, I can feel that. But there's part of it here is now if I hit it really hard with a hammer, you know, I can make it with a pin. But if you hit it with a hammer, then I can I could feel that. I can feel that. We we get dulled to sin. We get dulled. We get calloused to sin. And it just becomes part of our nature. It's no big deal if you don't like it. Too stinking bad, this is the way I'm going to live my life. Right? I've told you this story. First time I smoked a cigarette, I was on the back 40. My dad owned 240s, 80 acres. I was on the backside of the back 40, and I found a bush that I was under a bush, crouched way down, smoking a cigarette, making sure there was no planes. the next time I was standing up next to that bush, you know, I'm 14, whatever. And the next time, I only went back 20 acres. Now I'm 15, and I can just go and do, I can smoke a cigarette. I want to smoke a cigarette any time. Now I'm 16, and I'm driving my sister's car through town, and I'm reaching for the cigarette lighter, and about the time it pops out, I light the cigarette, and I hear a horn, and I pop up, and I go, and it was my dad in the county truck. <laughs> I wanted to hide again at that point. You become numb to sin. We become numb. And when that happens, it's actually called the law of diminished return. That's what it's it's actually called. It's called the law of diminished return. What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? Let Let me have these Kleenex boxes. Okay. Let me have the Kleenex boxes. Okay. I have a buddy whose name is Jim. And Jim, well, he likes to tip a bottle every once in a while. And so the first time Jim and I tip a bottle, well, we can split a, a six-pack, and that's just fine. And you'd be happy with two or three, and I'd be happy with two or three, and you get a little buzz on, right? Well, what happens after doing that five or six times? I don't that little buzz doesn't work anymore, does it? This time I'm gonna have a six pack and you can have a six pack. It's called the law of diminished return. You get so accustomed to something that you don't get the same buzz off of the same investment. Now it takes a greater investment. That's what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, don't live like the Gentiles who have this this craving for sensuality and they can't get enough and they can't get enough and they have to have more and more and more and more to get the same effect. Right? You don't have to raise your hand. But anybody who's ever struggled, struggled with drugs or alcohol, Anybody who's ever struggled with pornography, anybody who's ever struggled with any kind of addiction knows the law of diminished return. You will not, you will not get the same buzz from the same amount. It's going to require more and more and more and more. Scott Eiley, is Scott Eiley here? Scott Eiley says, sin will take you farther It'll take you farther than you wanted to go and it'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay. That's the nature of sin, right? Can we agree on that? Paul says, to the church, to the church, Paul says, I insist that you stop living like the Gentiles. I insist on it. He goes on in verse 20. He talks about the Gentiles then. He said they're darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God because of ignorance. Then he says in verse 20, that, however, is not the way of life that you learned. It's not what you learned. You don't come to church and learn about how to get a better buzz off of less beer. Right? You don't come to church and learn how to get... How to get a better deal on crack someplace? You don't come to church and learn how to live more sensually. I'm looking for stuff. I'm struggling. It's not in my notes. Stop laughing at me. <laughs> it's a law of diminished return. I got to go to greater excesses to get the same laugh. <laughs> Here's your Duke's up moment. Listen to what Paul says in verse twenty-one. When you heard about Christ, you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. My own nature, my own nature, desires will deceive me into believing what I want to do is okay. It's just a little bit. Nobody's ever going to notice. I quit smoking, so I'll start chewing. It's just a little bit. It's not a little bit. It's not a little bit. Paul says, I want you to get rid of that thinking. You were taught with your... You're taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, take it off. It's being corrupted by the deceitful desires. Get rid of that old nature. Get rid of that old self. And now you can quickly, quickly. Don't let me lose you. You, you might be saying, "Well, pastor, you know, I quit smoking, I quit drinking, I quit chewing. I don't smoke, drink, or chew, and I don't run around with girls that do. I guess I'm okay." Hang on, hang on. Get your fists up. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off that old nature and change the attitude of your mind. The attitude of of your mind, I'm gonna say it one more time, the attitude, what in the world is the attitude of my mind? What does that mean? What's the attitude, what are you talking about? Let me ask you, as a Christian, since you've been a Christian, are you like you used to be? No, right? Are you better, behaviors are better? Generally? Generally? You don't drink as much, you don't smoke as much, don't party as much, right? Go to church, things are kind of better. Have you been made new in the attitude of your mind? Have you renewed your mind? Have you gone so far as to say, it's not just about the things that I get caught at, now it's about the way that I think and the way that I process, and the way that I I gotta grab a hold of those thoughts because I don't wanna be like I used to be. Have you been made new in the attitude? Have you put off the old self and put on the new self so that your mind is continually walking in righteousness? Listen to what Paul says as he goes on in Ephesians 4. Therefore, because here's the test. Here's the test. You want to check and see if you've changed your mind? You want to check and see if you've got a new attitude in your mind? Here's the, here's the test. Therefore, what's the therefore, therefore? The therefore is because he said, you know, renew your mind, get a new attitude in your mind. Because of that, therefore, you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we're all members of one body. Do we if we put off falsehood? Do we speak truthfully to our neighbors? Ah, yeah, you know, Generally. How's it going? That's good. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. Yes, I'm fine. Yes, I'm fine. Yes, I'm fine. But I'm not. I'm broken. When was the last time you had a neighbor say, how are you doing? And you said, you know what? Today sucks. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm having problems. I'm going to be honest with you. You not realize how far we have to get pushed before we're honest? Sometimes with people who love us, in the church? How many times do I have to ask? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Really? Yeah, I'm good. Really? No. Man, let's get there first. But you know what? You know what? When we're asking, we're not honest. When we're asking, I care about you, Jeff. I love you, Jeff. How's it going? Jeff's good. I'm like, good. I can see there's problems, but I don't want Jeff's problems. I want Jeff to lie to me. I don't have time for Jeff's problems. Folks, if we want to grow up, I've been telling you, this is what I'm preaching. This is what I've been preaching. We want to grow up as the church. We've got to be willing to let somebody unload their mess on our shoulder sometime. Right? You got time for that? Sometimes I got time for it? Do I want it? What does the word say? Are we not supposed to bear one another's burdens? I said something the other day to Corey about, oh, man, I don't have time, blah, 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 blah. And he, and he said, he made a statement. Yeah, I said, after all, we don't want to be a doormat for anybody, and I'm just ready to agree with him. And he said, let's find that in Scripture. No! Oh, man, you cut me, man, right to the heart. Yes, I'm going for lunch, man. I can't believe you said that to me. I'm not even inviting you today. Are we willing to bear one another's burdens? No, I don't want to. I don't want to. When you heard about Christ and you were taught in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your mind. Go back to verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbors. We're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Paul is acknowledging to the church right here you're going to get angry. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm a Christian. I don't get angry anymore. You're a liar. Because <laughs> somebody's going to stiff you on a business deal. Somebody is going to charge you more for something than they should have. Somebody is going to do less than what they should have. Somebody is going to say this. You're going to hear that. You're going to get mad. Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. I don't even care if you get mad, just don't sin. Don't use that as an excuse. He says, and do not give the devil a foothold. You know it, you know how it happens. You know how it happens. Someone does you wrong, I don't care what the deal is. I don't care if it's, if you, if you bought, you could buy milk at Walmart and pay $3.18 for it and go to Central Market and pay $5 and you're mad about it. I can't believe they tried $5 for a gallon. I went to the gas station, it was $7. And we let that thing fester in us. Get over it. Get over it. Stop. Don't let that garbage build up in your heart. You don't have space for it. You don't have space. You don't have the capacity to carry that. Don't do that. He said this to me too bad. Told me I can't do that if I want to. (laughs) Grow up in the attitude of our mind. Grow up. And the attitude of our mind grow up. You want, is this what we want? Do we want to live life being the poor guy on the end of the block who never got anything? Guess what? That's your choice. That's your choice. That's my choice. If I choose to take on every offense that comes down the road, that's my choice. It's not that everybody's trying to offend me. It's my choice that I'm going to pick it up. I've had people stand me up at the back wall of the church. A lady stood me up. I got done preaching one day and chant, blah, 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 I'm looking around for help. You can sit down. Somebody come up to me afterwards and said, dude, what was that about? And I'm like, I'm not sure. You know what I could have said? I'm never preaching again, God. You believe the way they treat me? I studied all week and maybe I got it wrong. I said Moses instead of Noah. I don't know. Poor me. Ooh. Poor me. Maybe that's the key to the attitude of our mind, right? Poor me. Believe what they said about me? If you want to check a book about what people have said about me, it's probably about this thick you know what, either we're going to get on with life and we're going to grow up or we're going to let everybody pile on us. It's time to take those thoughts captive. It's time to to lay that old self down. You get angry, fine. Don't give the devil a foothold. Whatever. Anyone who's been stealing must no longer steal but must work. Doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. I don't, I don't have to. I'm on welfare. I don't have to. The government pays for this. Guess what? You can be on welfare. You can have the government pay for stuff. Do something with your hands so you've got something to share with somebody else because there's life that comes out of that. There's, 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 there's hope that comes out of that. There's peace that comes out of that. You can give to somebody else out of something that you created. Right? Folks, we don't just get to roll over and play with the system and let that run us over. Then he goes on. He says, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This is huge. This is huge. You were sealed for the day of redemption. We're not talking about heaven and hell stuff. He's talking to the church. He's telling the church, you're going to heaven. You're sealed for the day of redemption. You got this. I'm not even talking about whether you're going to, this is a heaven or hell issue. I'm not talking about that. He's like, just grow up and be a believer. Just walk in righteousness like we're supposed to walk in righteousness. Just stand up and be counted for, for God's sake, for good. Right? He's not talking about heaven or hell. He's not saying if you're getting mad, you're going to hell. What he's saying is, don't do it because you're a believer. You're, can I say this? You're better than that man. Grow up. Put on righteousness. Walk in peace. There's a joy that we can have. There's a joy that we can have. There is a joy that we can have. Unspeakable joy that surpasses everything in life. Do you believe that? Paul goes on and he says, "Get rid of bitterness. Get rid of rage. Get rid of anger. That's okay, pastor. I don't rage anymore. I don't What about bitterness? What about bitterness? Just that little bit of bitterness. I can't believe what that jerk did to me. You know what the Bible says about bitterness? It says, where there is a root of bitterness, upsprings every evil thing. It's like going out and intentionally planting thorns or thistles. Or dandelions. Plant one, are gonna take over everything. Where there's a root of bitterness, upsprings every evil thing. I guarantee you, I will guarantee you, standing right here, if you allow bitterness in your life, you're gonna rage. You're gonna swear, you're gonna get angry, you're gonna get you're gonna you're gonna let your mind cross over into places you thought you would never go. It'll happen, I'll guarantee it, because that's what the word says. Where there's a root of bitterness, there's every evil thing everything it's all there well, I wasn't really mad just just a little bitter get over it kill it devil wants to get your goat kill your goat it's called the flesh by the way that's the goat it's called the flesh that's what it is this hurts my pride too bad you know what they said about my haircut You know what they said about my jeans? You know what they said about my shirt? You know what they said about my tie? Who cares? Right? Brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind, be kind to one another. Compassionate, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you, just as in Christ God forgave you. How many of you believe that God has forgiven your sins? Okay. I'm here to tell you right now, if you got your hand up, there is nothing that anyone can do that you have the ability, that you have the right to hang on to because God forgave you a far greater than anything that anybody did to you. Jim and Mike, those guys cannot condemn me to hell. Kevin can't condemn me to hell. I did that in my own sin. I was born a sinner. And God forgave me of that. There's nothing anybody else can forgive me of that's greater than that. I don't have any right to hang on to anything that Mike has ever done to me or Kevin or Jim or Jane or Pete or Sally or Bill or Bob or Lucy or Charlie. You put a name in there, it doesn't make any difference. We have nothing. You don't have a stand. You don't have a stake to say, but God, I'm just bitter about this one little thing. He's like, I forgave you. You forgive them. Ephesians 5. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up. As a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let me ask you this. When you approach somebody, do you find that they want to have a conversation with you? When you leave, have you been a fragrant sacrifice to them? Or are they saying, Thank God and Greyhound he's gone? I've had enough of that. That's a little bit of a test. How come people always run when I wanna come and talk? Hey, you got five minutes? Uh, boy, I'd really like to, but I've got to be somewhere in three. <laughs> Two. Now I gotta go. I really gotta go. What what is it like when you leave that conversation? This is, a, this, is a, this is a kind of a punch in the face type of moment, okay? I'm, I'm serious here. I'm serious. I'm not saying we can't be honest. We can be honest. I'm not saying we can't, we can't tell somebody the truth about our struggles. But, man, you might have to set up an appointment. You can't just throw up on everybody all the time, right? You can't just do that. Oh, let me tell you this about, oh, let me tell you that about my, oh, like, whoa, I got enough of that, man. I don't want to be that guy. We should be a fragrant. Jesus, I believe Jesus was a fragrant offering. When, when he was an offering to God, and I believe when people are around him, they're like, man, I just want more of that. I'm not sure what that was. But I want more of that. I want to be around that. Is that what it looks like? When you have a conversation with somebody, is that what it looks like when you, when you spend time with them? They're like, man, I just, I just like being around that guy. Or they got the windows rolled up and the foot feet down and they can't wait to get away. He gave himself up. Jesus gave himself up. Nobody had that requirement of him. Nobody forced him. He couldn't be taken advantage of because he gave himself up. Right? He was a fragrant offering. It's like people walked away and went, man. You know how somebody walks by and they got good perfume or good aftershave and you go, oh man, what is that? Or else they got some kind of toilet water on you go, oh man, what's that? Get away from that, I don't want that. What's the air in your life when you're around people? If people go, hey, I, I kind of like being, I like being around you, man, it's all right. Or you go, oh dude, don't go there. I'm go around him. Paul's calling us He's calling us. He's calling us. Have you, have you put off that old nature and renewed the attitude of your thinking? If part of your thinking, if the attitude of your thinking is nobody's ever going to hurt me, I'm never going to trust anybody again. I'm going to get my piece of the pie. I'm telling you right now. I'm going to get my piece of. If that's the attitude of your thinking, I'm a winner. I'm a winner. I'm a winner. Nobody can defeat me. If that's the attitude of your thinking, it needs to get changed. It needs to get submitted to Christ. I'm telling you, it needs to get submitted to Christ. Are we ever going to lay down our life if you walk around saying, I'm going to get my piece of the pie? What are the thoughts that go through your head What's the attitude of your mind? Put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Righteousness and holiness. If you think this has been tough so far, it gets worse. I'm probably gonna stop here. I'm gonna read one more section. You're gonna have to come back next week if you want the end of the story. Paul was a teacher of teachers, quite studied, probably quite arrogant. And since he knew the right way, the only way, he began persecuting followers of Christ. People were following after Jesus, following after the way. Paul had been blinded. He was blind spiritually. He'd been blinded physically. He'd been beaten. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been bitten by a poisonous snake, dragged out of the city, beaten and left for dead. He'd been imprisoned. And yet, in the newness of his mind and the righteousness of his God, he continues and he says this, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, any kind of impurity, any kind of greed. All this is improper for God's holy people. There shouldn't be any obscenity. There shouldn't be any foolish talk. There shouldn't be any coarse jesting or joking. That's all out of place, but rather out of thanksgiving. You can be sure, you can be sure, no immoral, impure, greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of such things, God's wrath comes upon those who are disobedience. Don't partner with them. There is a growing up. There is a growing up. Does that mean you can't have fun? No, you can have fun. Does that mean you can't laugh? No, you can laugh. You can probably even ride in a boat or a four-wheeler or go tanning. That's all fine. You can do all that. I don't think Jesus ever looked at his disciples and said, Are you stupid or what? I don't think he ever criticized him. I don't think he ever ran him down. I don't think he ever made him feel less than he did. What's does it matter with you? What's the attitude of our mind? What's the, and I'm telling you, folks, I've got to renew my mind every day. I don't win this, I win this battle 20 years ago, and I'm walking in this light, and I don't ever have to change that. I've got to work on my mind every day. I've got to work on my heart every day. Every day. Every day. I've got to crucify my flesh. You have no idea how many times I want to hang up a phone quickly. And loudly. Pfft. It's really tough, tough on cell phones, So I gotta tell you. <laughs> Slamming a cell phone doesn't have near the effect as the old phones. We have to renew our minds and renew the attitude of your mind. And God is calling each and every one of us to righteousness and to holiness. For his sake, not for you. It's not for you. It's not for me. It's not for the church. It's not for Christian fellowship. It's for his sake. It's for the gospel. That's what it's for. Amen? You can be a light in a dark world. That's what it's about. He's going to hit us again harder next week. If you want to bring gloves or a shield to hide behind, that's okay. This is the truth. This is God's word. I didn't make it up. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. It's God's word. Go back and read it for yourself. See what it says. Father, I thank you for each person here. God, I just ask that you'd pour into our hearts that we'd grab the truth of your word. It's not an easy word for us to hear. It's not an easy word. We want to have our own bitterness. We want to have our own pity party. We want to kind of sit and sulk every now and again. We don't mind getting angry sometimes. It's it's good for us. But your word says it's poison. We want to have our own attitude. Your word says that's poison. God, I pray you'd help breathe life Open the eyes of our understanding so we can receive what you have to say. I pray your word just continue to come alive in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and have yourselves a great week.